Good morning. Good morning. I invite you to remain standing <laughs> and share in our invitation to worship found in your bulletin. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Declare God's glory among the nations, God's marvelous work among all the peoples. For great is our God, and greatly to be praised. Honor and majesty are before God. Strength and beauty are in God's sanctuary. Let all that have breath praise our God. I am so excited to invite our young and young at heart. We're gonna spread the blanket right in between these front pews today because we have some special visitors. So friends, come join me on the blanket. This is good. I see week here coming. I see some older kids coming as well. You might remember them, or you might be meeting them for the first time, but we have Frog and Toad in the house today. Let's put our eyes up to the stage and see what's going on. America, America, God shed his grace on the hmm. Toad? What are you doing? Toad? <laughs> Toad! I'm reading. You're reading? Why are you reading? We're supposed to be going to the celebration. I'm reading because I'm trying to understand something. Toad? <sighs> We're going to be late. Put away the book and let's get ready to go. But Frog, I'm told. <sighs> Frog, please, I'm trying to understand. What? What are you trying to understand? Why do some people have to eat in the kitchen? What? Like, why? Why do some people have to hide when company comes? Toad, what are you talking about? Listen to this. I, too, sing America. I just did that. Toad. I, too, sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. Why does the darker brother have to hide? Toad, you have to read the next line. But I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Well, I don't want to hide in the kitchen when people come to visit. Dude, what are you talking about? Did you even read the rest of the poem? Uh, not yet. Toad. Frog. Okay, give me the book. I'll read it to you. I, too, sing America. I am the darker brother they send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes, but I laugh and eat well and grow strong. 
Tomorrow, I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody'll dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I, too, am America. Langston Hughes. What? That's by Langston Hughes. The poem, I, Too, by Langston Hughes. Oh. But why are you reading poetry, Toad? Because I'm trying to understand something. What? I'm trying to understand why darker people are still in the kitchen. Toad? Aren't we going to a celebration of black history, Frog? Yes. But doesn't history mean something is over? Oh, Toad. <laughs> Celebrating black history doesn't mean all the bad things are gone. It means we are shining a light on those who struggled and fought in the past. We celebrate the people who have come before, the people who teach us and inspire us to continue. Oh. Do you understand, Toad? Do you understand why we celebrate? I do. I do understand, Frog. But I have one little question before we go to the celebration. What's that? So, seeing that it's a celebration, do you think there will be cake? <sighs> I mean, you know how much I love cake and chocolate-covered flies. Oh, I love chocolate-covered flies. Toad! Come on, let's go. Let's go. Thank you, Frog and Toad, for helping us celebrate Black History and Culture Month. Let's sing some Sia Humba, my friends. Thank you, Frog and Toad. Thank you so much. And thank you, Mary Jo, for writing that script. Appreciate that. So I'm Jackie Lewis, and I want to just welcome you on behalf of all of our family. We're so glad you're here. We have special friends here today from South Church in Pittsville, uh, Massachusetts. Would you like to wave? Um, we met at Super Saturday last year, and they're coming to our conference, and we're so glad you're here. How many of you are here for the very first time? 
besides our friends. Yay, raise, no, raise your hands. All right, hands up. Yay, so you're from? Yay, and you're from? Oakland. Oakland, woo! And yes, who, yes, where are you from? Harlem now, all right, good. Who else? Here, where are you from, love? Brooklyn in the house, yay. They're trying to give you a card. Did you get one? Did I miss anybody? Oh, yes, where are you from? Los Angeles, welcome, I'm so glad you're here. Did you get a card? Okay, keep your hand up. Also, we might want you to preach, so we're just we're gonna see who we have. Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen, yes! Excellent. And where are you from? From where? Brazil. 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 Welcome. We're so glad you're here. And where are you from? Oh, where are you from? From France. Fantastic. We're glad you're here. Bienvenue. Hello, where are you from? People in your pajamas and let's wave to them. We're so glad you're here. We want you to connect with us no matter where you're from. You can come to worship online every Sunday at 11.45. And not only that, there are online Bible studies and other ways to connect. So if you're curious about that, at the end of worship, Amanda Hamburg Ashcraft will be here to talk with you about how you can become a part of our community from as far away as Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, or as close as Brooklyn, around the corner. We'd love to have you. Let me let you know a couple of things that are happening. Um, today is the second installment of our leadership class that we're offering for leaders. It's on Race Matters. Um, we have taken registrations, but if you're curious about sticking around today, we'd love to have you. Again, see Amanda, and we'll make some space for you. We'll be meeting right here in the sanctuary. Um, Depending on what time worship ends, I may or may not ask you to talk with me for a couple minutes after worship about our Valentine's Day campaign that we're starting this week, our Live campaign. So we'll watch our watches and see, but I want to make sure you know that that's coming. Um, next week, the 17th of February, Amanda and Kelly and Elaine will be doing a presentation about the border, and we're going again and we are committed to the work on the border. So that's on the 17th here at 1.30, Sanctuary Caravan Stories. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it there. Oh, the conference. Have you registered for the conference yet? Okay, do you know that as middle people you get to register for $100? As opposed to $399? Oh, don't you think you should register while there's still space? Okay. So I just want to encourage you to do that, because that's like a big old discount. Yeah, all right. Taking a breath. So glad to see you. And going to ask Amanda to come help us pray. Thank you, Jackie. As we come now to a time in our worship for prayer and meditation and reflection, I ask that you will find a posture of prayer that's comfortable for you and join me now in prayer. Holy and loving God, in the many names we know you, in the many faces and images you have, 
in how we feel your presence, in how you move around us. Find us here. Gather us in, in the warmth of this space, in the comfort of community, known or unknown as we might feel. Isaiah reminds us that your light rises like the dawn out of darkness and that you will be our guide. Many of us need that light in the darkness today. We feel like we're floating along with no purpose. We've lost loved ones. We've lost jobs, lost the security of good health or housing or safety. We've lost faith in elected officials, in democracy. Yes, God, let your light rise like the dawn out of darkness and let your goodness and mercy be our guide. As we celebrate black history, remind us that black history is American history, our history, and that it's not a thing of the past. But as Frog and Toad reminded us, present all around us. But God, for the ways white people perpetuate anti-blackness, white normative culture, and supremacy, forgive us. For the ways we individually and collectively fall short of the beloved kingdom, forgive us. In a week of roller coaster temperatures, we don't even need the harrowing data to remind us that we have not worked hard enough on climate and environmental justice. Forgive us for our complacency. Ignite in us the resolution to understand our shared responsibility to mother this earth you've given us. God, may we be the people who can see beyond what is. May we be the people who bring about what might be. God's vision for a just, peaceful, and loving world. In our relationships, in our schools, and in all the places we spend our days. Until justice has cried her very last tear, amen. Now please stand as you are able and grab the hand or touch the shoulder of someone next to you. As we say the prayer Jesus taught us to say, ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name.
God's peace is a gift to us, and we can use it to gift each other and the world. Friends, may the peace of Christ be with you, and also with you.
Good afternoon, Middle. This afternoon's scripture is from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him, each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The pivots on the threshold shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the king the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. The seraph touched my mouth with it and said, now this has touched your lips, your guilt, has departed. Your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thank you, Danita. That Danita reads scriptures like, okay, that's beautiful. <laughs> they like, I might not need to preach. I don't know. It's so beautiful. Thank you. And will you say a prayer with me, friends? <clears throat> Holy one, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We ask as we listen for a word from you, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. It has been a hell of a week for me. Is that true for anybody else in the room? Yeah. Our, our, our staff has been in a four-week study of a really important book called White Fragility uh, by a woman named Robin D'Angelo. And it's good to be having conversations about race but it's painful to be having conversations about race. When you peel back the onion and start looking underneath and around all the things, your body's just like, whoa, that's really, really hard. Um, it's Black History Month, so that means I'm immersing myself in all the things. So John and I have been to see so much black theater, black art, black stuff, black museums, 
But we saw, let me see, we saw a slave play, which about some antebellum sex stuff. It was like, okay. That was, that was kind of intense. And then we saw American Son with Kerry Washington and the, you know, the biracial couple and the boy gets killed. I hope I'm not um, doing a cliff, what's it called, story killer, killer for you, but that, thank you, thank that thing, trailer. Maybe perhaps, but oh my God, that was intense. And then we saw The Hate You Give, and that was super intense, where the hairbrush and then selling the boys dead. Um, it was intense. So it was hard for John this week. John, my white husband had a hard week, because his black wife had a super hard week. And that hardness be traveling in your family. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, pulled in, and everybody's getting along, but then suddenly you're like, that was very white of you, John, right there. I don't know if that's whiteness or genderness or older me than me genderness, but either way, shut up, you know. It's really, it's really hard. So, and then against that backdrop is like, let's have some blackface Ku Klux Klan picture in your book. But it's me, but it's not me, but it's me, but it's not, whatever. And all of that stuff makes it hard to be black in America. Somebody say amen. amen. So we're not ready. We've been listening, friends who are visiting through some call stories, you know, Jeremiah, Moses, here's, here's Isaiah. We're not, he's not ready. I have unclean lips and I live amongst the people with unclean lips. I'm not ready. So suddenly a winged creature, a seraphim, goes to the altar, gets a hot coal, puts it on Isaiah's mouth to purify him, to make him ready, to blot out his iniquities, a sacrifice, make him ready. And I'm thinking, man, we're not ready, but who'll go? Somebody got to go. Who'll go? I'll go. Send me. Who'll do this work? Who, who'll do it? We'll do it. Let's go. Who'll speak the truth? I'll go. Send me, but get me ready. So what's the, what's the cleansing thing that gets us ready to do this work? We can't tell the truth till we tell the truth. We've got to tell the truth. The truth is what purifies us and blocks out our iniquities so we can go out there and do the work. It's Black History and Culture Month. Black folks have been on this soil for over 400 years now. And here's the truth. You know, you're watching the book of Negroes and you're like, oh, there's Angelou Ellis showing you the truth. Kidnapped, packed like sardines in the filthy underbelly of boats living in their own waste, eating slop, shackled and taken up top for just a little while to get some light, hosed down like animals, treated like animals, working like animals, bred like animals, whipped like animals, having their flesh torn off their bodies like animals, children ripped from their arms like animals, sold at the whim of a master, beaten, branded, chased, hunted, re-enslaved, redlined, raped, segregated, miseducated, cast out, kicked out, blocked out, shut out. That's the truth. We don't get to say we're post-racial. 
Not so long as folks are still being shot in the back or, you know, still can't live where they want to live or schools are resegregated and some students don't have computers and books. Can't say we're post-racial. What is the truth? The hard truth is America has unclean lips when it comes to the history of people of color, the history of indigenous people. I mean, just be in Spain and look across the ocean and decide if a nation isn't Christian, read white, you can just get in your little boats and go across the nation, across the ocean and take the land and take the people and put them on reservations. We have unclean lips. We have unclean lips when it comes to Latino, Latinx people when Mexico was America, and we try to build some walls to keep the people from their own land, we have unclean lips. We have unclean lips, even though it's 2019, and even though I'm a woman of a certain age with three or four degrees from semi-prestigious universities, I experience the vestiges of racism every single day of my life. And imagine my friends who are, like, maybe don't have as much stuff, but like my person who picks up the trash or my person who's the nanny for the baby or the person who waits on us in the restaurant or the person who's the busboy, worse still, or the person who picks up the garbage or the person on the street, on the subway, who we look through, the invisible black person. they have less power than I do. Way less power than most of us do. And so when I hear things like reverse racism, I think the truth is we need to define our terms. You don't know any racist black people. I say you don't know any racist black people. You might know some prejudiced ones. You probably know some bigoted ones. You definitely know some angry ones. But they don't have, we don't have the power to be racist. Racism is prejudice plus power. We have to know our terms. There's no reverse racism. There's no racist black folks. We have to know the truth. The truth will purify our lips so we can tell the truth. So Sojourner Truth told the truth. She says... There's a great stir about colored men getting their rights, but not a word about the colored women. And if colored men get their rights and not colored women theirs, then you see the colored men will be masters over the women, and it will be just as bad as it was before. That's some truth. And don't you think for a minute that sexism is over, amen? <laughs> Frederick Douglass, truth. Where justice is denied, where poverty is enforced, where ignorance prevails, and where there's any one class made to feel society is an organized conspiracy to oppress, rob, and degrade them, neither persons nor property will be safe. That's the truth. Fannie Lou Hamer, speaking truth, purifying truth. She said, with the people, for the people, by the people, I crack up when I hear that. She says, I say, with the handful, for the handful, by the handful. 
because that's what really happens. I'm talking truth that purifies us. And thank God, you know, we don't have to go back in time to hear truth right now. Robin D'Angelo, white sociologist, speaking truth. She says racism is the norm rather than an aberration. She says feedback is key to our ability to recognize and repair our inevitable and often unaware collusion. In recognition of this, she says, I try to follow these guidelines. One, how, where, and when you give me feedback is irrelevant. Understanding that it's hard to give, I will take it any way I can. And from my position of social, cultural, and institutional white power and privilege, I'm perfectly safe and I can handle it, she says. And if I can't handle it, it's on me to build up my racial stamina. My middle family, are you ready to build up some racial stamina? Somebody say amen. Somebody say our preacher's black. And it's Black History Month. So you know she's going to talk about race. So we're not surprised. Amen. So she says, the above guidelines rest on the understanding that there's no face to save, and that the game is up. That we know, she says, as white people, that we have blind spots, and we have unconscious investments in racism. This is, this is her talking. My investments are reinforced every day in mainstream society. I didn't set up the system, but it does unfairly benefit me. I do use it to my advantage, and I'm responsible for interrupting it. We're gonna just say that with her. We're gonna rehearse that together community. Black people are going to say it too just to make us all feel good. <laughs> I did not set this system up. But it does unfairly benefit me. And I do use it to my advantage. And I'm responsible for interrupting it. I'm going to quote her just a little bit longer because I got my butt whipped today in the news in the, on the Yahoo there's so much hate speech on Yahoo right now because I said the words, the myth of white supremacy. Ooh. Somebody said to me, of course it's a myth. And somebody else said, of course white people are superior. But Robin says, <laughs> I hope to have made clear that white supremacy is something much more pervasive and subtle than the actions of explicit white nationalists. In other words, when people got tiki torches and they got clans outfits on, we know what time it is. But the more subtle, the more salacious, the more harmful is the nice, quiet, particularly progressive white people who sometimes make mistakes while trying to disrupt racism. So I, though I am not Bill Maher, have 10 new rules for us. Yay! <laughs> Somebody give me some new rule music. Okay, okay, here we are. This is from Out of Love, because I am the most blessed pastor in America that I get to be the pastor of the multiracial, anti-racist congregation called Middle Church. Somebody say amen. We're not just settling for air kisses and mwah, mwah, how you doing? We are doing the deep, hard, difficult work. So it is with love I give you the new rules. <laughs> Number one, 
Never say, I'm not a racist. Never, ever say, I'm not a racist. Not to your white people, certainly not to your people of color friends. You could say, God, this is hard. But I grew up in an racist world. It must have gotten in me a little bit. You could say that. But don't be saying I'm not a racist, because we will stop talking to you. <laughs> Secondly, tell your friends never to say they're not racist. You know what I'm talking about. You're in Chelsea, you're having a glass of wine at Chelsea Market with your friend, and your friend is like, I cannot believe that governor was caught with blackface on, and then he's going to confess the Michael Jackson thing and the shoe What's wrong with him? Those racist crackers. I didn't say that. Your friend said that. You're those racist crackers. What's wrong with them? And they're like all high and mighty and stuff like that about it. You just tap your friend on the shoulder and say, baby, don't you say you're not a racist. <laughs> and don't judge Governor, what's his name? Because all of us have a little of this in us. Are you with me? Okay, good, good, good. You're doing great. We're doing great, right? Three. Um, Just repeating, because it's worth repeating, there are no racist black people. Say that. There are no racist black people. Do not talk about reverse racism. Do not talk about reversing affirmative action. Do not say somebody got the job because, you know, they got it and you didn't because of their blackness. Black people do not have enough power and can't be racist. Prejudice, yes. Bigoted, sure. Angry, damn straight. Not racist, okay? Are you still with me? What number are we on? Four, read black literature. And not just Ta-Nehisi Coates. That was really excellent. But there's tons of authors besides him. Read some Ida B. Wells. Read some James Baldwin. Read some Toni Morrison. Read The Bluest Eye. It's fictionalized, but it'll teach you a lot about racism. Five, see some black film. Now, I want to suggest that you do it in doses because John and I overdosed this last Sam. <laughs> you know, you watch a couple, like, you're like, oh my God, not another, you know, not another head wrapped, and, you know, like rape, like, no, it gets hard. So spread it out, but let's use February as a month to watch some black film. Those lists are on our website, they'll stay on our website. See Dear White People, that'll make you laugh out loud. Um, next, buy your children black storybooks. Buy your grandchildren black storybooks. Buy your neighbor's children black storybooks. When your children see black children in the media, in storybooks, they begin to think to themselves, oh my God, white isn't the only normal. Somebody say amen. amen. Next, speak truth every single time you encounter racism. Every single time. Say you're in a meeting and say, All the people are there, but your one colleague, and you're like, where's Bob? Like, oh, I forgot to put Bob on the email. So that's why Bob's not here. Then you could say, I, I feel uncomfortable that we're starting this meeting without Bob. Let's take a coffee break and go get Bob, because Bob's voice really matters. You see the I statement? You don't have to call them a racist or say they're stank or crazy. Just use your I statements and fix that. Say there's an email chain going around and it's got some humor in the bottom that you know, you know. You know it's racist. Will you circulate that email? No, not anymore, not ever, ever again. You will stop that email before it leaves your box. Why? 
because even echoing it and saying this is racist is hurtful to anybody else who saw it that's black and brown. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. When in doubt, ask a question. Do not assume people are African-American because they're brown. They might be from Cape Verde and they don't think of themselves as African-American. Do not assume anything about anybody that's brown about their race. Don't. Do not assume black people are straight. Don't assume black people are um, more homophobic than white people. That's a rumor. That's not true. When in doubt, ask a question. A question is a great intervention. And number 10, stay in touch with Middle Church so that you are students of race in America. Now, the scripture says, to whom much is given, much is required. All the white people, my friends are like, wow, I didn't know this was gonna happen today. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> welcome, we're so glad you're here. Everybody in this congregation that walks by the white church to come to this place comes because you're a prophet. It's so much easier to be with your own kind, isn't it? Oh, tell totally this. The, the white church isn't talking about how to be unracist today. It's so much easier to be in the all black church. Because in the black church, it's like, they, the white people, blah, blah, blah. And that can work too. But none of this is going to build the reign of God on earth. None of that's going to build the reign of God on earth. What's going to build the reign of God on earth is we all exercise our be together muscle. And the be together muscle is like, oh, God. It's like a doing, you know, 90th crunch. <laughs> it is. It makes your head hurt. So up here. It makes your head hurt. But that's our job. It's our job as people of faith to stand up and stand in for the reign of God on earth right now. And that requires practice. And tough sermons from black pastors with dreadlocks <laughs> who had a really hard week. A really hard week. And what gets me up in the morning is coming back here to just once again look out on the faces of the reign of God trying to rehearse on earth. Amen. Trying to rehearse it right here on earth. Jews and Gentiles, is that a word? Can we still say Gentiles? Jews and non-Jews, right here in this place. Atheists and agnostics, right here in this place. All shades of the rainbow, right here in this place. All kinds of genders and sexualities in this place trying not to thingify each other, trying to love each other. And we cannot afford to have this place as one place and have crazy town, that's my theological term, <laughs> for cognitive dissonance out there. Our job is to line up our middle person with the person in the office, with the person at the kitchen table, with the person on the corner. Amen? Amen. Amen. Men. <laughs> wow, right? Wow. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Vicki Burns. I joined Middle about a year ago. I should confess two things right now. 
I'm not usually a joiner, and I don't really like speaking in uh, public. That's a strange admission from somebody who spent so many years in broadcast journalism, but it's true. A big, char char big part of my job has been convincing people to tell their stories on television in front of thousands of strangers. It's actually been pretty easy to avoid public speaking in my career. After all, I grew up to become someone who ran NBC local news operations around the country. I could delegate. <laughs> but in this case, no such luck, because when Reverend Jess Jackie Lewis asks you to do something, it's easier to say yes, Jackie. <laughs> so I've been asked to invite you to join the movement by sharing my story. I found Middle by discovering my family connection to Jackie. A relative in Chicago was appalled that um, both of us living in New York all these years had never connected. So I Googled her. And while she's clearly impressive, I was equally intrigued by this place called Middle Collegiate Church. I couldn't believe a multicultural, progressive, inclusive, amazing place of worship was a short MTA ride away from my apartment. And once I walked through those doors, I was hooked. So here are the few things that I treasure about middle. First, the sermons. <laughs> we are living in challenging times when people are still in mar marginalized, maligned, and mistreated because of their race, their ethnicity, their gender, their sexual orientation, and their economic status. The experience of having scripture address those realities so directly and so succinctly is mind-blowing. The belief that love, love, and justice are connected feels transformative. I often find myself taking notes in church. And I happen to love it when Jackie refers to God as she. It feels slightly subversive and true. <laughs> what I also love is how Middle practices what it preaches out in the community, out in the world. At the federal prison in Brooklyn, on behalf of incarcerated people forced to endure deplorable conditions. In Washington, D.C., on behalf of the empowerment of women. In Puerto Rico, on behalf of traumatized fellow citizens at the Mexican border in support of separated families. And I must also acknowledge the middle kids. Um, given the decades-long decline in church attendance, I can't think of a more optimistic sign than walking in here every Sunday and seeing those kids and the, the look of joy and hope on their faces. I've witnessed more baptisms in the last year than in my entire life. Um, <laughs> And if we love them and teach them, they are going to save us. I love bragging about the middle choirs. <laughs> Talk about a joyful noise. <laughs> many, many Sunday evenings I go home and, and I log in and I, and I listen to a song again. And, and middle choirs, you are directly responsible for an uptick in my iTunes downloads. That's not cheap. Finally, I love the people of Middle, each and every one of you. It's a pleasure being with such beautiful, diverse, hopeful people every week, connecting in a way that feels restorative and uplifting. So these are just some of the reasons why I'm proud to be a part of Middle. Movements require people, 
and the means to fund good works. It's why I give of my time and happy, happily donate every week. And for those of you who'd like to join the movement, after service, just come up to the front and there will be staff uh, to help you. And uh, thank you for hearing my story.
this opportunity every week to be here at Middle where there are only insiders, no outsiders. Amen. Everyone is welcome here. Thank you for the guidance of our brilliant pastor, Reverend Jackie Lewis, and for her dedicated staff and team who put these programs together that fill us up, fill up the empty places that get drawn down through the days and through the weeks, and send us out and <coughs> encourage us to do our part in healing the world. Amen. 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 How many have been with us in total praise before? Raise your hand. Yes. It's not an easy song to sing. But if you can't sing it, can you be in the space with it? Be in the space of total praise as we've just received that message and what it means to be in line with those teachings and with each other as a community and how we can take all of that and be in worship together and hold God sacred and hold each other sacred.
Wow. So, none of us have clean lips. The nation doesn't have clean lips. But honestly, all of us are called to speak the truth. The only way we're going to dismantle the structures and systems that oppress God's people is together to do it, to speak it, to say it, to claim it, to name it, to address it. Amen? So I don't want you to leave the sanctuary feeling like, oh my God, I'm white and I'm just... <laughs> I really would love for you to leave the sanctuary thinking, oh my gosh, I've got so much to give in service of justice. I've got so much, such a wonderful circle of influence, so many truths to tell. I have so many ideas to put in the world. I know my lips aren't clean. Nobody's are. But I'm just going to take risks and try to do it. Because if I don't, who will? I want you to go out in the world saying, here I am. Send me, God. Send me to make a heal world. Send me to make a just society. Send me to love the world into beauty. All of us, together. That's our job. So I'm counting on the white people. No, I'm, count <laughs> I'm, count I'm counting on the white people. I'm counting on the white, I'm counting on the white people. <laughs> humor we need it <laughs> and I'm counting on everybody in the room people of color also to really not let it go by when it's broken we have to fix it that was good right all good <laughs> <laughs>